Uh, we've been going through the book of uh, Philippians, uh, learning about what Paul is telling the, the Philippian Christians and telling them to press on for the glory of God. Now today, we're, this week, we're taking a, a break from it so we can give attention to uh, the special day that Christians have celebrated, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And really, we should recognize that, that, that this is a celebration and remembrance of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus every Sunday. That's why we have church on Sundays. Because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. But it is helpful to think specifically about the truth of the resurrection and its importance to us on this day. However, when it comes to the lives of many, maybe even many here, the resurrection of Jesus is nothing more than a useless fact. I don't mean for those who don't believe in it. They don't believe it is a fact, although it is. But for, for us who know the truth of the resurrection, that Jesus did rise from the dead, for some of us it has become nothing more than a useless fact. Interesting, but having no impact on our lives. Think about a couple other useless facts. Well, a couple of use, useless facts. Did you know that the original game of Monopoly was in a circle form and not a square? What about that only female mosquitoes bite? And did you know that Charlie Brown's dad was a barber? Those are interesting facts, right? And I'm sure you could tell me some interesting facts. But do they have any impact on our lives? Do they change the way we live? They make radical impressions on who we are and how we believe and how we behave they don't and unfortunately this has become the case with the resurrection of Jesus for many of us we've always thought that it was true and interesting we've always understood what the Bible teaches about it but if you look at your life if you look at the way you live if you look at your belief it hasn't really changed anything about you this truth hasn't caused you to make any changes in your life. This morning, though, I want us to see just how important this truth of the resurrection of Jesus is. The fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead is more than just a useless fact. The truth is that as Christians, our lives depend on the resurrection being true. And if it's not true, we've wasted our lives on a lie. Our text for this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 28. Please turn there in your Bibles. There are Bibles in the seats if you don't have one with you. Our text is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 28. The scripture there says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have said that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. 
you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in its turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. Then the end will come when He hands over the kingdom of God, kingdom to God the Father, after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For He has put everything under His feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under Him, it is clear that this does not include God Himself, who put everything under Christ. When He has done this, then the Son Himself will be made subject to Him, who put everything under Him, so that God may be all in all. From this passage of Scripture, I first want to show you why Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then Christianity is not true. And we should find something else to do on Sunday mornings. And then I want to focus in on verses 21 and 22 and explain these, these phrases. What it means that in Adam all die, and what it means that in Christ all will be made alive. So first look again at verses 12 through 19. Paul here is combating some false teachers who have taught the Corinthians that there is no resurrection from the dead. They were teaching that when Jesus returns, there won't be physical, actual bodies getting up out of the grave, as the Scripture does teach. So these false teachers were leading the Corinthians astray. And in this passage, Paul is showing the consequences of that belief. The consequences of the belief that there is no resurrection from the dead. Now at the foundation, Paul says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, guess what? That means Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. And then he shows what the consequences are if Jesus didn't really get up out of the grave. Look at those verses, 12 through 19, and we can notice seven consequences if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true. Now that might scare you that my first point is just seven consequences, but it won't take that long, really. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, Paul says, then our preaching is in vain. Everything I do teaching-wise, everything I do preaching-wise is in vain. That means it's worthless. Paul also says, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. Worthless. Meaningless. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we have misrepresented God because we've said otherwise. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then you and I are still in our sins and will come under the judgment of God. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then those who have died are dead, period. And if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we of all people are most to be pitied. There are some pretty pitiful examples in our society today. I'm sure you can, you can think of some situations where you just pitied someone because they were taken advantage of and uh, they were just 
gullible and they fell for the lies and they, they lost everything they had. I recently read about a woman from England who was scammed out of thousands and thousands of do- dollars through a dating website. She had just been through a divorce. Her, her business had fallen apart. She met a ma- businessman named Jack Briggs. She said, one evening I was feeling particularly low. He came up on instant messenger and lifted me up and made me feel happier. And started off with small amounts as he was, as he said he was buying a piece of land in West Africa, which only accepts cash. But he was stuck in Germany, so I had to send it across. Then the amount started getting bigger and bigger. I remember once he told me he needed about $1,200 because he had appendicitis and he couldn't afford the medical bills. I even sold my car to raise funds and send them over to him. It became all-consuming. The article also said she borrowed $10,000 from her mother and gave to him. She was scammed out of a total of over $20,000. Now that is pitiful, isn't it? The fact that she was gullible enough to fall for buying property in West Africa and appendicitis and crazy story upon crazy story. She fell for it because she was brokenhearted from her divorce. Her business had fallen apart. She fell for these outrageous stories because she wanted to fall in love. That is pitiful. Paul says that if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true, that we are of all people most to be pitied. The fact that we had, if this isn't true, the fact that we had fallen for this crazy story about a man dying for people's sins and then getting up out of the grave. We are to be most pitied above everybody else if this isn't true. If the resurrection isn't true, then Christianity is not true. We are still in our sins and we should be pitied by everybody else on the earth. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? The consequences are huge if it's not true. But if it is true, if Jesus did get up out of the grave, if Jesus is alive, it changes everything. And it calls for a radical change in our lives. The way we think, the way we act, the way we live every day. A a total reorientation of who we are towards the things of God and towards the Word of God. But what is the resurrection of Jesus for you? Just a useless fact? Something you believe but it makes no impact on your life? Think about it this way. Have you believed and lived in such a way that if it turned out Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, you would be a pitiful wreck? If it turned out Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, would what Paul says be true about you? That you would be pitied among everybody because you staked everything you had on Jesus being alive and then He wasn't? Have you placed all your chips on Jesus or held something back just in case it wasn't true? The fact that the resurrection calls you, calls me, to go all in for Jesus, holding nothing back banking all your hopes, everything you are, on the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead on the third day. How would your life change 
if you believed and lived as if Jesus was your only hope. Christian faith stands or falls with the resurrection of Jesus. And when we realize just how important this event is, it totally changes the course of our lives. For the rest of our time this morning, I want us to see the most important consequence of the resurrection of Jesus, namely everlasting life or everlasting death. And I want us to see this in just those two verses, verses 21 and 22. Look at what Paul says there beginning in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So I just want to explain these two statements. In Adam all die, and in Christ all will be made alive. Paul says something similar uh, in Romans 5.12. It says, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Basically, what Paul is teaching here is that in the beginning, the first man, Adam, the first created human was appointed by God as a representative for the whole human race. Our lives depended on Adam. Our innocence, our purity, our goodness and righteousness all depended on Adam and what he did in obedience or disobedience to God. If Adam and Eve would have resisted temptation and obeyed God, we probably would have just been righteous and good. We would have remained in a state of innocence and purity, but we know that's not what happened. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They disobeyed Him. They fell into temptation. They uh, fell for the pack of lies that that, that Satan told them. They disobeyed God and sinned against Him. And the result of this disobedience is death. From birth onward, humans, although we are alive, we are dead. Humans don't just do bad things. Humans are bad. We don't just commit sin. We are sinners. It's a part of who we are because we were born into the human race, this fallen human race. And when it comes to saving ourselves from God's judgment, we're not just bad at all. Scripture teaches we are actually dead, spiritually. The Bible teaches that we are spiritually dead and we are physically dying. We know that from our own experiences. Listen to how one theologian, the late John Stott, explains this. Lots of people who make no Christian profession whatever, who even openly repudiate Jesus Christ, appear to be very much alive. One has the vigorous body of an athlete, another the lively mind of a scholar, a third the vivacious personality of a film star. Are we to say that such people, if Christ has not saved them, are dead? Yes, indeed, we must and do say this very thing. For in the sphere which matters supremely, which is neither the body nor the mind nor the personality, but the soul, they have no life. And you can tell it. They are blind to the glory of Jesus Christ. They are deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. They have no love for God, no sensitive awareness of His personal reality. 
No leaping of their spirit towards Him and the cry, Abba, Father. No longing for fellowship with His people. They are as unresponsive to Him as a corpse. So we should not hesitate to affirm that a life without God, however physically fit and mentally alert the person may be, is a living death. And that those who live it are dead, even while they are living. Now, maybe you came this morning and you weren't expecting to hear this, that outside of Jesus, you are dead even though you are living physically. If you are not close to Jesus, connected to Him, then you are spiritually dead. And you might say, but I do a lot of good things, a lot of good moral things, giving to charities. I do a lot of kind things for others. I do my best to treat others like I would be treated. Good deeds which are not done in, for the glory of God or in love and joy for God are nothing to Him. Without faith in Jesus and a love for Him, these, even these good deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of God. They don't please Him unless they come from a heart of faith. And the fact is that your life apart from Jesus is not just desperate, it is hopeless. Some would say that life without Jesus is like a man treading water, struggling to stay alive. They may say that, that you need someone to dive in and save you. You need someone to rescue you, and that is true. You do need someone to save you, but you know how the Bible pictures your life without Christ? The Bible pictures all of humanity not just struggling in the water, but dead in the water. Spiritually, you have drowned and are floating face down. What you need is not someone just to pull your body ashore. You need somebody to pull you ashore and give life back to you. Breathe life into your body, into your spirit. You need someone with the power to give you spiritual life, and that person is Jesus. The truth of this first part of the passage, in Adam all die, is that all men are in Adam by birth. All men are dead and are dying because of their sin. That includes you and me in our natural state. Thankfully, there's a second part to the passage. In Christ, all shall be made alive. One of the central events in Christianity is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's what Paul says at the beginning of the chapter. He reminds them of the gospel. Look at... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. So on Good Friday, just a couple days ago, we remembered that Jesus really and truly died. He didn't just faint, as some throughout history have said. He died. He was beaten, nailed hands and feet to the cross, pierced in the side. And when all that happened, his heart stopped beating. Jesus' brain function ceased. His body became cold and clammy. He flatlined on the cross and was buried in a tomb. To understand the power of the resurrection, we first have to understand the truth of his death. 
But even death was not powerful enough to hold him. It was impossible that death would hold, hold him. For on the third day, God raised him up from the dead. We read the story in Matthew 28, 1 through 10. It's the familiar story. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to the Gentiles. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. This wasn't just a, a resuscitation. It was a resurrection. New life. A giving of life where there no, was no life. A complete restoration of the body. Jesus was raised from the dead with a new, incorruptible, indestructible, glorified body. So Paul says that this Jesus, His resurrection, is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. If you plant a crop, say you plant some corn, time comes to harvest it and you gather up the first parts of it, these are called the first fruits. This is the point Paul is, is making. Those first fruits are a foretaste of what's to come. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a foretaste of what will happen for all of those who belong to Him, raised, imperishable, with new, glorified bodies. If you're in Adam, you're dead and you're dying. But if you're in Christ, you will be made alive in the same way that Jesus was made alive. Jesus was a representative in the same way Adam was. A Adam's a representative for all mankind, and Jesus is the representative for those who trust in Him, for those who rely on Him. And this is the question you have to ask yourself this morning. Am I in Adam only, or am I in Christ as well? There's no question about the first one. Are you in Adam? Yes. You were born into the human race, you are in Adam and are dead and are dying spiritually. But are you in Christ? Have you come under His rule? Have you become connected to Him by faith? Because only those who are connected to Jesus will inherit eternal life. Not just length of time, but quality of life. Abundance of life. True life. Life filled to the top with joy. In Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. Are you dead in your sins still? Or are you in Christ? Consider this for just a minute. We know that every one of us, unless the Lord comes back, will taste death. Every one of us will die. Have you considered that you will die. 
Have you thought about where you will spend eternity? Scripture says for those who continue in sin against God, they'll be resurrected not to life, but to eternal death and punishment in hell. As as Paul says early in 1 Corinthians, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And as Paul said to the Corinthian Christians, I say to you who are brothers and sisters in Christ, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that's true for everyone who has turned away from their sins to trust in Jesus alone for their salvation. There is no other way to be rescued from our sins and the punishment that we deserve but by Jesus. So as we close, I want to take a couple minutes for us to, to quietly respond to the Lord and to His Word. So if you would, let's bow our heads in prayer and I'll just lead you in a couple of directions. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're far from God and you know it. You know that you are still in Adam because you're still in your sins. They rule over you. But Christ calls you now. Come to me and be saved. He calls to you. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even if he dies, he will still live. He calls on you to turn away from your sins and to trust in Him. You will belong to Him. You will be given new life in Him. And you can be sure that you'll take part in the resurrection on the last day. God calls on you to repent of your sins and trust Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian, but for you the resurrection has always seemed like just a useless fact. You believe it, but it's never made much of a difference in your life. First, you should know that it's because of the resurrection you are forgiven. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead proves He has power to forgive sin. But second, those sins that you're dealing with, those sins that you're struggling with to overcome, you should know that the Spirit that indwells you is the same Spirit that powerfully raised Jesus up from the dead. And He empowers you with the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit that dwells in you, Christian, is the Spirit that is producing love in your marriage, joy in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. Spirit is working in you to overcome these sins that you might put them to death. So walk according to the Spirit. This is what it means to remember the resurrection and to allow it to change your life. That you have been given new life in Jesus.